I hope you have been enjoying this series on descriptive writing so far and keeping different strategies that I've shared in your back pocket. How many of you are tired of reading compositions that have the same boring words in them? We are going to turn those dull, drab words into invigorating, powerful ones. Part of writing descriptively starts right with the words we are choosing. If you are ready to dive into these strategies, I will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. I am so excited to be talking about descriptive writing with you all. Thank you so much for tuning in, especially if you are a returner. I'm so happy that you are here tuning into this series. And if you are new here, I have several literacy episodes prior to this one that I would love for you to check out. And as always, if you love this podcast, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review and be sure to follow along so you never miss episodes every single Monday. Now, if you have not listened to the previous two episodes, be sure to tune in to episode 94 and 95. Episode 94 is diving into show-don't-tell strategies, and episode 95 is sharing ways to help students develop the writing leads and conclusions your heart may be yearning for. But today, we are diving into ways to get that exciting word choice. Now, how many of your students use the same words over and over again. I'm talking the words like good, sad, fun, happy. I know several of my past students would use those same repetitive words, probably because it felt safe and comfortable for them. And that's when I began the practice of implementing ways to help them get out of that comfort zone, to help kids think more creatively about the words that they're choosing and about the words that they are using. So today, I want to offer you some of these ideas. Now, the ideas that I share are ones that you can actually take straight into your classroom and implement them immediately. I love strategies like that, so I am ready to get into seven ideas for you to try. So when we think about how to teach interesting word choice, like all practices, we have to model this. Model Model, model. Do not overlook the power in your modeling and in your sharing where your students can be able to see what it is that you're expecting them to try. Many students have to see it, they have to watch your thinking, and they have to listen to your thinking, which is why I love talking about thinking aloud. And they also need to experience seeing you writing it before they fully understand what they are to do. So idea number one is to simply use the language. Be mindful of times when you can use interesting word choices and try to refrain from using those bland words like tired, good, hot, or funny. And if you do find yourself using one of those words, use it as an opportunity to teach. You know what? I don't want to say that I thought that book was funny. I thought that that book 
was hilarious. So you could even do your correcting if you find that you're using a dull word and then your students can start hearing that more interesting word choice. So challenge yourself to think about more intriguing words in your day-to-day talking and sharing with your students. Also, the second part to this is if your students are sharing, try and find those teachable moments where they can come up with a new word to replace the common word, or maybe their friends can help them come up with a new word. For example, Miss Polk, I did a good job. So in that moment, you can say, I bet you did better than good. Can't you think of another word to replace good that can really draw me in? If they are having trouble, you can reply in agreement with them by saying, wow, you really did an outstanding job. So those are just some ways that you can just think about it using that language and be just more mindful of how powerful speaking it and sharing it is going to be with your students. Idea number two, I like to call more action, more passion. Now, this is going to refer to focusing on verbs and honestly, adverbs too, at that matter. So in thinking about the action words, encourage your students to take it a step further by including an adverb. This is going to help describe that verb and it's going to make it a more enjoyable read for our audience. But there is some power to doing this and let me just give you a couple of examples. So if a student is writing, I walked down the street, or maybe you want to use this as an example for your students, put this on the board or put this on a piece of paper. I walked down the street. Now, this can turn into, I walked cautiously down the street. Describing how I'm walking makes me feel differently now. I know that something fishy is happening. Something serious might be going on. The tone of that sentence kind of alerts me that we need to be aware. This could also turn into, I walked angrily down the street. Now, this lets my emotions know that you are not pleasant. You are in a bit of rage and something must have caused it. Or I could write, I walked joyfully down the street. And this lets me know that you aren't in a rush. You are not in a hurry. You're probably in good spirits and the tone of this sentence is peaceful and light. So when you can do simple modeling and show examples in that format, it really starts allowing your students to understand, oh, wow, not only is the verb important, but if I add an adverb, I can actually connect with my audience a lot more emotionally to let them know what I'm feeling. So focusing on the action word and easily adding an adverb is going to make writing more descriptive. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode for a quick moment because if you're listening to this podcast, then I'll bet you have students who dread writing time. Or maybe you are out of ideas, time, and energy when it comes to planning your writing block. You work so hard, so for once, give yourself the gift of having the planning done for you. My monthly writing prompts are trusted by hundreds of teachers and are a no-prep way to spark your students' interest in writing while highlighting special days that occur worldwide. The best part? There's a prompt for every single day of the year. Did I mention that it's already done for you? So what are you waiting for? Head to theliteracydive.com slash prompts to grab your year-long bundle of writing prompts.
Idea number three is to use more adjectives. Now, we are going to place focus on the nouns in this one. One of the easiest ways to get students to use better word choices to describe is to go after that noun. When students are simply stating something like, I went to the movie theater and ate popcorn, there are a couple of nouns that we can advance here. So you would also want to take this one sentence and show this in isolation. We can describe the movie theater. We could also describe the popcorn in this example. So what I like to do is kind of put a web off of these words. So for the movie theater, you can start having students share out, well, what could a movie theater be like? And then you can also do the same thing for the popcorn. Get them to start generating adjectives to describe the popcorn. Once they have kind of shared out, and of course, in the very beginning, you are just going to want to model this to show them that they can do it too. So begin with those two simple probing questions. What was the movie theater like? How did the popcorn look, smell, taste, or feel? And then you're going to go from there. You could easily turn that sentence into a very, very descriptive one. So that same example sentence, I went to the movie theater and ate popcorn, could easily turn into, I went to the dark movie theater and ate buttery, crunchy popcorn. Now we are just looking for simple ways to describe here. And as they get exposure and experience, they are going to start being more creative in their writing. Idea number four is to draw from your five senses. And this is a great segue because the last example of the movie theater and the popcorn brings up another strategy, which is drawing on our five senses to help our word choice. Now here, students can practice by pulling one of their created sentences from their actual writing. You would want them to choose one. If they are having difficulty, you could have partner pairs choose for each other, or you could even, as you're reviewing and conferring with them, you could actually highlight a sentence or write out a sentence for them to be able to develop. So from that, they can make a small bubble web or they can make a column chart that's going to give them the descriptive words connected to their topic sentence by way of the five senses. And when I say topic sentence, it does not mean that that's like the actual first topic sentence, but that's just going to be the sentence they're going to develop with their topic connected. So just wanted to quickly clarify that. So for this one, if you're using the chart form, you would have the five senses on the top and then words can go underneath each column or their word could be in the middle of the web that they're trying to advance or that whole sentence could be in the, like written out a big circle around the whole sentence of that web. And then any words that are describing it or connected to it can be drawn off from that initial circle of the web. You can also give your students pre-written sentences for practice before they are going into their own writing to do this work. Make it really easy at first so that they can find success, they can complete the task of creating the words to describe, and then they can be able to take that practice into their own compositions and you can start seeing the connection happen in their writing. Idea number five is to look for examples. Now, this is where kids are going to dig into their text and they're going to become more aware of the print that is around them. Be intentional in your read-alouds or with any type of text that you are providing to your students. Have them pay close attention to the amazing word choices used and have them explain how it makes them feel as a reader. We ultimately want our readers 
our audience to have that same experience. And that is the connection piece that I like to make. So once you find the examples, you can encourage students to use it in their oral language or have them practice writing a different sentence with that incredible word that they just came across. Exposure is definitely key here. And when more students can pay attention to when those words are used and then practice with using it, the language will become second nature to them and their compositions will be drastically enhanced. Okay, we have a couple more ideas that I want to share with you. And so the next one is partner practice. Now for here, you will want to give simple sentences with commonly overused words, and you want your students to work in pairs to create two to three new sentences that can spice up that plain sentence. Have the partner groups share their ideas with the class. This share time is super important because as we know, if I can share something that you didn't think about, now that's going to be in your word bank and in your knowledge that you could actually use later that day or even tomorrow. So the more sharing, the better, as this is going to help to activate student brains. And you better believe it, they are going to start applying slowly but surely everything they're hearing into their own writing. Having a partner provides support, and sometimes it can also provide joint creativity, and those sentences can be way better than what one student can produce on their own, but just know that this same idea of what I just shared, you can also have students do this activity individually as well. And the seventh idea is to use a thesaurus. Now, this might seem like a normal action to take, but those big books are actually really, really scary. If you have access to these, allow students to explore with them first, just seeing how does it work, what does it look like, what do they notice, and then you can start actually teaching how to use the actual handheld thesaurus. Now, a thesaurus is guaranteed to have several synonyms and substitutes that your students can draw from and they they can be able to replace those substitute words from the boring words that they had originally written. You can also here use an online thesaurus, and that does make it a little bit less overwhelming. But what I have found is that the key with using a thesaurus is that students must know how to spell the word in order to actually find it within that thesaurus, so be aware of that. That's the only real big struggle or challenge I find with actually giving students an actual thesaurus is that spelling piece and then just also having to use all of the dictionary style skills of everything's in alphabetical order. And you have to also be aware that they're going to share the parts of speech and they're going to share different tenses of that verb or different forms of whatever word that is. And so it can be very, very overwhelming. So if you do decide to use an actual thesaurus with your students, make sure that you have proper supports in place. Maybe you go ahead and write out the word of how it is supposed to be spelled so that they can automatically have success when trying to look for it. Maybe you allow them to use that online instead of the handheld, but those are just some things that you need to be mindful of. You can't just say, go look in the thesaurus because they are going to scramble, get lost, and never want to go to that book again. So even though I've explored with using a thesaurus before by hand and online, it was still really overwhelming for many of the students that I served. So I decided to make a mini thesaurus for them a thesaurus that is truly perfect for any elementary student or beginning writer. 
it literally changed the game. Now, I'm going to link to that resource that I'm referencing in the show notes, so if you're interested, you can check it out there. But this mini thesaurus literally has a format for every single child. There is a booklet format, and that kind of makes it feel like a real thesaurus, except it is much, much smaller. There is a digital thesaurus, so it kind of makes them feel like they are online and searching through these words and keeping track of their own words on the blank charts, but it's just more manageable. There are mini anchor charts, which can be glued in a notebook, or they can be hole punched to make a reference ring, and then that way kids can flip through or they could be able to hold it and move it around. So some kids like to do it that way. And then there are the large standard charts where those can be turned into a big classroom book or it can be hung up on your wall. Now, although I have used the commonly overused words in this set, my go-to is the blank charts as well. Because with those blank charts, students can select words that they use over and over again, and then they can start filling in synonyms and better word choice options for themselves. Even if they are diving into the thesaurus online or in the book, they can then transfer those words to the blank chart, and they will not have to go into that big scary book again. Also, if you are doing the different mentor text examples or if you see some of that language inside of text that students like, that is a great opportunity where they can be able to make note of it, write it down, and use it for future references. So using a thesaurus is a great way to assist students with that colorful language. And again, you can check out the set that I've made. The link will be in the show notes for you. So I actually was thinking I could go on here and share an eighth idea, which is to learn figurative language, but luckily next week I am diving into figurative language strategies all on its own, so I am going to save those ideas for next week's episode. I hope you will return next Monday to hear them. As a recap, some of the ways to get the exemplary word choice that you desire are to use the language, think, more action, more passion. Use more adjectives, draw from your five senses, look for examples, use partners, do that partner practice, and ultimately use a thesaurus. Again, I am bringing you figurative language ideas next week, so please join me on Monday. I cannot wait. In fact, my heart is racing like a cheetah to get to next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.